one body, all of God, a man, a mystery, one body, all of God, his church, a mystery. How can it be that God dwells bodily in Christ, in us, as we welcome his spirit already where we are, installing HVAC units, serving tacos, coding, drafting, balancing, What is this old new thing God is doing? Connecting his body as one. Creating fellowship in unlikely places. Unlikely friendships forming as we invite his love to fill us up. One body, one God. What a mystery. Enjoy this conversation with Steve Tang as he shares about his work serving the church at work. I have the pleasure of having with me on the podcast today, Steve Tang. He is the executive director of Kingdom Capital Network, as well as the director of Next Generations Program with Pivot Leadership. Um, I'm so excited for this conversation. It's so uh, just, it's been so encouraging to hear the way that the Lord is at work in Austin, particularly in this faith and work realm. So thanks so much for being willing to be on the podcast. Yeah, Tina, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. We were just joking about, you know, how to introduce you and do we say a formal name? And you were saying you haven't been on many podcasts, which is a shame. <laughs> well, yeah, not not part of my call. And uh, but I'm excited to be a, uh, a part of this one. So I've gotten to be introduced to a lot of the speakers and the content, and it's been beneficial and encouraging for me. Uh, so uh, hopefully the spirit will use this podcast in the same way uh, for your listeners. Yes, absolutely. I'm just I'm really excited. I think oftentimes as Christians, you know, we only know our experience and our context. And so hearing just how God is working in other contexts can be so encouraging and also stir up imagination, you know, for our yes. own. So, yes. okay. Before we get into your work, can you just tell us a little bit about your background and then your life in Austin, Texas, where you live? Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Taiwanese immigrant. Uh, so our family immigrated over when I was six. And, uh, you know, I don't have to tell the whole life story. I'll fast forward a little bit from there. But long story short, became a Christian late in life. Uh, so late in high school. And yeah, I mean, kind of around 2002, 2003, to kind of place th- those who are part of uh, recent American church history kind of will know the implications of that. God called uh, us to Austin, long story short. Uh, it looked like a job offer uh, to step into a pastoral role at a church here in Austin, the Austin Stone. But I, bigger than that, during the truthfully, during the interview process, just being in the city and being around, there was this really clear sense for both my wife and I, the calling is to serve the city. And that was a surprise because, mm-hmm. you know, we have one of those stories. I was helping with a church plant in Fort Worth, three hours away from Austin. And I we had just told our house church, you know, community group that, hey, we're lifers here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, uh, wow. you know, a uh, request for an interview came up from the Austin Stone and a mentor said, hey, I, just do me a favor and go through. The, we, we were not going to step into it. Do me a favor and, and uh, just interview. And driving around the Austin, there was this clear sense of, hey, serve the city. Uh, and so most of my 11 years, uh, coming on 12 really, has been serving as a pastor, uh, wearing a variety of hats at the Austin Stone, most recently in the Justice and Mercy local mission space on behalf of the Austin Stone. Mm, so great. So it's yeah. it's you and your wife and kids? 
Three kids, yes, okay. 10, eight, and three. So wow. life at home is a joy. Yes. <laughs> it's <yes. basifying. laughs> Those three-year-olds are yes. life, joy and life something else. <laughs> nailed it. You nailed it. <laughs> so they were all born in Austin then? All born in Austin. Okay. All born in Austinites. Austin. Austinites, yeah. is that right? Have Austinites. That's what Austinites. people say. That's what people say. So they're Austinites. Yeah. So good. Okay. So, so both the organizations that you work with, they kind of have this overlapping center of um, supporting and mobilizing Christians specifically in living out their faith in their everyday work. Um, what, like, when did that start? So you were a pastor, yes. you had this calling to love the city. When did you feel a growing desire to press into the kind of the faith and workspace? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, truthfully, I think so as I was maturing in the faith, I mentioned that, you know, it was late in high school. Uh, it was right around that time, you know, there's in a way it would be accurate to say I became a Christian and was kind of swept up in the, uh, my context anyways, the young, restless, reformed kind of movement, yeah, yeah. that milieu. And so, I mean, everybody was handing me Tim Keller CDs. I mean, I, I have cassette tapes, I think. I tr Truthfully, I have one cassette tape you know, with uh, Tim Keller sermon. So it really, it would, it was laced all in his preaching and teaching, you mm -hmm. know, so that came on the radar really, really early on. Take that and overlap it with um, one of my first full-time jobs, which was in finance. So something else may be interesting and some of your listeners will kind of uh, latch onto the implications of this, right? I, I stepped into a role, uh, and part of what I did, I, I got a front row seat to the mortgage-backed securities crisis in finance and investment banking Wow! Uh, in 2006, 2007. Um, so I was an entry-level analyst, just a summer one, looking at that stuff. That was my job. And so it was really pronounced work culture on a sales and trade floor, you know, all the kind of stories and Hollywood mm. likes to make movies about uh, the sales and trade for in investment banking shops. People like to write books. And so I saw that. And, mm. you know, I had Tim Keller sermons in the back of my head of like, God is present. And so what the heck does this mean with, you know, people yelling at each other uh, and, yeah. and really kind of exaggerated personalities and power complexes and all this kind of stuff. Uh, so that, that that's one thing, uh, truthfully. And you know, I'd sum it up just in the teaching and preaching at Tim Keller. Uh, and then the other thing was just as a young pastor, right there, I, Austin Stone's a beautifully, substantively missional church. Um, mm -hmm. So passion for unreached people group in the nations, passion for sharing the gospel. Um, I remember talking to a member, a new, new member, they'd been around the church four or five months. And this is a high compliment for the church. They said, Hey, I, I haven't been around, I'm newer to Christianity, but something about just being around here, I haven't heard a sermon or a topic on this, but something about being around this church, uh, I just sense that to be faithful to Jesus means sharing the gospel. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just feel mm -hmm. that. So it was well, part of the culture, strong part of the culture. And I think one of the unintended consequences of a missional church, you can make an idol of anything, right? So maybe one of the drifts in our context was idolizing quote unquote mission. Right, you can idolize any good thing. Was that unless you were a missionary proper, you became a kind of second class citizen. Mm, you know, unless yeah. you went to work and God led you and you had the gifting and the boldness to step out and open your mouth about the gospel, you were kind of a second class citizen. Mm. 
you know, and I experienced the joy as a young pastor to just kind of lift that burden, wow. right? And teach on how, yes, we must be passionate about those things, but everybody's role is different. And that's a calling for the church and your role may be something else. And then on the other side of that, bring in some of what I've been reading about and soaking in and, and, and learning about um, and just say, hey, your work matters. And, and just yeah. see light bulbs go off, weights lifted, person after person as we were teaching these kind of, whether they were formal or informally, I was showing up in the office. Uh, so that really began my work and faith journey and my passion for it, because though it was truthfully almost never my role proper at the Austin Stone, um, over and over again, uh, it became something really, really important. Uh, so mm-hmm. it was something I gravitated towards and I saw Hey, it's this massive blind spot, at least in the context I was in. Mm, Wow. Okay. So fast forward to 2020. Is that kind of the seeds of a lot of shifts that happened? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So 2020 and and, and really about this time last year. uh, Mm. So I mentioned, you know, my role as local mission, which again, uh, I I don't want this to be true, but so far in my Christian walk, it, it has been God likes me in crisis. Mm. So I thought I think about how God had me front row seat, kind of an exaggerated time in uh, finance, mm. you know. And then I stepped into a local mission role uh, while the pandemic was unfolding. Uh, so May yeah. of 2020, I stepped into this. Hey, your job is a steward, uh, local mission to steward. Uh, this church understanding, we said encounter and, and display God's heart for justice and mercy. Hmm. Uh, Okay. So during COVID and, you know, um, in Texas, there were three hurricanes, you know, the governor of Louisiana said the Lake Charles one was actually worse than Katrina, but because of everything else going on, it wasn't, it didn't make anyone's radar, (laughs) you know, like a massive hurricane that was so bad, not making the radar. There's other stuff going on. You know, uh, the resurfacing of uh, racial justice conversations, racial injustice, Um, gosh, coups in Haiti, Afghanistan, collapsing, right? Like, so on and on, we had a winter storm in Texas. So it just felt like crisis after crisis. And I think everything, including the local church, got pressurized. And Mm -hmm. what was good was exposed and came out as fruit. And what was deficient in local churches Right. Uh, and, and and for me, um, some of this kind of work in faith, especially as it intersects with justice and mercy, uh, you know, kind of came to the surface, was pronounced. I sense a real clear calling. It's a story for another time to step into this work in faith space proper around this time last year. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I was working on the projects I'll share a little bit about now informally as a volunteer kind of grassroots, uh, but felt a pronounced call. To kind of step out of that role uh, and into some different work in different contexts. Wow. So was the, uh, between your two contexts that you work in now, was the Kingdom Capital Network the first one that you stepped into or was it the work with Pivot? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Though the Kingdom Capital Network looked like something else altogether, the relationships are sewn together. Uh, I stepped into Mm. that work first. A little bit later, I entered in as a uh, board member um, with Pivot. Um, Because some of what the founder wanted to do, TJ, he wanted to spiritually form, uh, began as an executive program, right? So robust spiritual formation, work in faith integration, and a prayerful, uh, there there were a few, truthfully, few ideas on how this would actually work. But like, 
gosh, in a time where everything's pressed, these people who have much, you know, what could mm-hmm. it look like if they truly saw their life, their resources, their businesses as a stewardship, right? Uh, and so that has to be connected with need. It made a lot of sense in my role as a local mission pastor, primarily working with a nonprofit community in overlooked context where those needs were, uh, right? So a lot of that, yeah. I mean, really, really simply would have been like, yes, I do care about uh, what's happening with refugees and asylum seekers. I would be a great person to plug that. So that that's what my work with Pivot looked like. Okay. Freedom Capital Network started in, you know, what was uh, a program built for COVID relief. Okay. So COVID relief, was this a partnership of churches, how it started? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Churches and leaders. Um, some people didn't lean in as, hey, I'm a pastor of a church, but a blend, a beautiful blend of Christian leaders. Some of them were uh, actually the person that probably was a tip of the spear was just a compassionate business person. Mm, (laughs) It's a dear friend of mine and March, late March, April. So right on the onset, uh, God was stirring in his heart and he was journaling and praying and we would pray together. And a lot of that was, you know, these stimulus checks are going out and there's all these like these dollars going to meet physical needs and people are doing creative things, but I don't see a lot being done about isolation. Mm. Right. And that wrecked his heart. Uh, and he and I began to pray and uh, really it's his idea is like, Hey, Steve, this idea has a 95% chance of failure, you know, uh, but what if we pull together a coalition of as many churches as possible? Uh, so, you know, our good faith effort of, representation across the body of Christ in Austin, a coalition of church leaders. And we called the churches with abundance to give to churches in under-resourced communities, fearing for like their sustainability, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Keeping their lights on for sure. But more than that, the livelihood of people, you, you heard these stories, April, 2020, you know, where people couldn't pay their electricity bills. They had emergent you know, emergency medical needs and and those were pressing situations. What if we empowered small churches to do that? Hmm. Uh, and so long story short, we were able to pull together a coalition of leaders. We were able to build a program and uh, offer a ton of grants that uh, prioritize needs, needs of individuals in the community. Because the idea was if a local church is stepped in and do that, there would be relationship and, and hmm. a kind of connection. Uh, and so that was the, the idea. And we did feel like, hey, this thing has a 95% chance of failure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the as as the uh, only the Lord could do, you know, we were able to put together a program in a little over a week and a half and start with seven hundred thousand dollars of funding. Oh my gosh. And gosh, uh, we 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 opened up the opportunity for people, church small churches to apply Good Friday. <laughs> that year. Good Friday that year and applications came in, you know, uh, Monday after Easter. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so that symbolism was uh, beautiful for us and worshipful Mm -hmm. for us on the leadership community. And over time, as you know, I mentioned crisis after crisis earlier, as that happened, what's been neat, you know, this group of leaders, we essentially built a free program underneath an existing nonprofit Mm -hmm. uh, that does disaster relief. And yeah, over time, as different things hit the city, uh, others have stepped up and said, hey, is there a program out there like this? Like Mm. completely untied to us. If so, we have $250,000 for it. We love for small churches to be the vehicle 
um, you know, to administrate help and funds. And so over time, that program has redistributed, I believe, $1.5 million mm. uh, and has built a soft network of 160 churches in, in Austin. So, Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's so incredible to think about the body of Christ just stretching across a city. Like I'm imagining just the body like with flesh on, you know, just yes. stretching to these different points and yes. partnering together. And, and just all it took was a, a risk on a 95% failure. <laughs> <laughs> yes. How cool to really just catch a vision of like, well, this is what Jesus says we are. And what if we just, yeah. like, what if we just create the opportunity for people to, to live that way and respond that yes. way? I think so many people yes. have that in them and they just, they don't know where to go with that. Um, so, oh, I love that, that story. Yeah. So what is, how, as it's developed and changed today, what is formally the Kingdom Capital Network? Let's specifically talk about what does it look like now? How, how is it right. taking on a flesh in this, in this kind of season? Right, right. Uh, we're a formal nonprofit okay. uh, offering, you know, on the surface, if you poke around on the website, um, offering small business loans to Christian small business owners. Mm. Um, the requirement is that they be nominated by their pastor, that they are an active member at their local church, uh, and they participate in a nine-month spiritual formation, uh, re really leadership development program, because it encompasses more than that. Um, mm -hmm. our, our, our hope is that this nonprofit would create spaces for the church to come together, right? Because mm -hmm. it's tied to that earlier project I mentioned. We we called it called it by the way the two four four initiative. Um, so from Acts two forty four, the believers were together and uh, they held all things in common, and there was mm -hmm. none amongst them with need. Um, so there there's this kind of underlying amongst the board, amongst the stakeholders, this uh, value for unity and, and oneness in the church. So I mean, some of the vision is even um, going, hey pastors, we want to empower you to turn around and offer the cheapest working capital in town to your small business owners. Wow. <laughs> You're used to kind of going to them for the building campaign and all the stuff. Let's flip the script. And mm -hmm. this is a program, you know, really completely free to you. Uh, we just ask that you think of entrepreneurs and lean in, right? Mm -hmm. Lean in, uh, come to a class or two to participate with this member of, of, of your congregation. Mm -hmm. And they, they, they get the cheapest working capital in town. Uh, there's an application mm -hmm. process uh, that resembles a traditional loan application process. But what's different is we've created a vehicle for the church to be with um, mm -hmm. otherwise people who are lonely, at least in their work life. Uh, yeah, and because yeah. of that, things feel over, rightly so, overwhelming and weighty. And so one way we've talked about it is, hey, we want to create through the church a friends and family program for those who don't have access to that when it pertains to work and uh, entrepreneurship, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, if I go and start a new work, you know, I have a long Rolodex of people I could call. Uh, yeah. Many people uh, in context I'm familiar with do as well. Uh, but a lot of people we're serving, that's who we're trying to find, uh, right? And in that way, uh, underserved right? Uh, small business owners, entrepreneurs. Uh, that's what we're trying to do. Okay. So the specific mission, it's Christians from underserved populations who don't otherwise have the relational, uh, maybe the financial or the access to capital as some of us mm -hmm. might 
it's offering them. Um, so is it a, is it a set amount in terms of the loan or is it kind of tailored towards each entrepreneur? Yeah, we've said ten to fifty thousand uh, okay. dollars. So that's that's how we wanted to uh, distinguish ourselves a bit. Uh, there aren't a lot of programs uh, in American context, American urban context, at least doing that, um, right? And, and certainly not in the name of Jesus, like this mm -hmm. kind of <laughs> ethos yeah. of through the church. There's a lot of micro lendings of thousand bucks or less, which is beautiful, but for existing small business owners uh, to create some margin and leverage, and then. I think more than that, right, to kind of embody and flesh out the truth that God is with you in your work to yeah. a context and a population, you know, off, often working in, you know, blue collar kinds of industries where the sort of the rest of society says your work does, isn't that important, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, or it's not that significant, or there's probably something else you want to do if you really want to make it right. Yeah. Uh, we want to embody the truth that no, no, this matters. God may call you to something else, but this is of eternal significance, yeah. right? What you're doing and you're not alone, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the theological truth is there. Jesus is with us in those contexts as well. Many of those entrepreneurs don't get that reminder even at their churches. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we want to help churches in that, come alongside churches in that, not replace. And then, yeah, help in really tangible ways and then provide beautiful connections, right? Mm -hmm. So right now uh, in our... We're a little over halfway done with our initial class. We have food truck owners hanging out with presidents of publicly traded companies hmm. and friendships forming, right? Wow. And learning happening on both sides, right? Uh, we have really kind of blue collar trades workers, HVAC, construction remodeling, hanging out with um, commercial real estate developers, hmm. right? Um, that do the stuff of REITs and you know, high investment, high end kind of projects and forming friendships. Um, so that's the, that's the kind of stuff we're thinking on and imagining and praying would continue to kind of expand. Hmm. So you're drawing from kind of established white collar leaders to kind of come in and open up opportunities or open up. Yeah. How does that work? That is it kind of like a mentorship or support or it's tell us more. Yeah. About that. Yeah. You know, um, that's not sort of a stated goal, right? Mm -hmm. um, we're not trying, it's not a stated strategy where we're trying to go after like uh, white collar halves and call them in to be coaches. Some of that has happened, mm -hmm. right? In the examples and the stories I already mentioned. But, you know, what is a stated goal uh, is that diversity piece. What is a stated goal is that kind of cross-cultural relationships that we think ought to be happening in the church, but for a host of reasons really aren't. Can this program be a vehicle where yeah. you form some friendships? Now, for the business owner's sake, uh, on their end, we, we've said, hey, reactively, you, you can have uh, a general friend, right? Somebody who, yes, they have business acumen, that's that's where the only qualifier walk with you month to month, but we're also wanting to provide reactive touch points. So you're hitting kind of a snag in your business, thinking about marketing for the first time, or you know, what is social media and how do I build you know a marketing channel through through that via vehicle, yeah. right? Hey, let's find somebody in the church and y'all set up three meetings. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of stuff that uh, we've done and want to continue to do. It's mm. so good. I just, I mean. My favorite word, I think, in scripture in terms of the reality that it embodies in the narrative is reconciliation and just this reality that God is bringing things together 
that we're never meant to be separate, but that sin has so deeply torn apart. It feels impossible yeah. for them to, to, to exist together, to, um, yeah, be in friendship. Um, I was at a church for a while that talked about making unlikely friends and yes. it's such a simple thing on paper, but in reality, it's, it's probably one of the the most rare and hardest things that, that we encounter. Yes. Um, and yeah, and, and in the vocation culture, in sort of these invisible hierarchies, I think in yes. American culture, we don't see our, our work world in, in like class classes and, and cast, you know, like not we formally, at, yeah, not formally, right. Yeah. We can look at other yeah. cultures and say, oh, they're so hierarchical, but the reality is like, man, rich and poor, white collar, blue collar. Yes. We are so separate. Like it. So just even thinking about the reconciliation of these different invisible hierarchies and just these different contexts, like just, just the richness of them coming together mm-hmm. is yeah. Yeah. Great. I listened to one of your other podcasts, right? And you mentioned this in hospitality, right? Mm-hmm. Like people saying kind of off the cuff to people in the hospitality, what do you really want to do? Yeah. As if, you know, hey, no one would ever want to, <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's stuff like that. And, and to this point, you know, I'll share a couple of things, right? Those unlikely friendships, you, uh, really both parties have to swim upstream right, mm-hmm. to make space because the spaces you gravitate towards and default to are just so radically different. And particularly, right, this is where Romans 15 comes in, right? Those who have more, in many cases, it's harder to let, it feels harder to lay down, but it's sort of their prerogative. And that's hard. That's Mm -hmm. hard in those kind of soft ways you're talking about of like, we sort of default, right, to the understanding that, well, of course, uh, my friend who has less would want to hang out with me. I'm going to, you know, exaggerate a little bit, but like at the country club, uh, we sort of, or or eat at the nicer restaurant, uh, Mm -hmm. but actually, um, (laughs) In my experience, that's the opposite is true. You know, that, that friend would probably rather host you in their context where they're comfortable because there's enough in the world, right, that we live in uh, that's uncomfortable for them already, right? And, yeah. and all this stuff, um, I'll, I'll just mention this briefly, is how the two projects I mentioned tied together, that 244 initiative, that church grants during COVID, you know, the racial reconciliation, racial justice conversations because of the murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and all that, you know, spring of 2020, a group of diverse church leaders, we were looking at one another over a Zoom call and go, hey, we like each other now because of the shared work, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and what God's done amongst us. What else ought we to do? Because God didn't bring us together on accident, mm-hmm. right? And so dreams and prayers and conversations, there were, you know, all sorts of different projects proposed on these calls. I remember one of them was, uh, you know, let's start a Christian legal network for asylum seekers and undocumented workers, right? But we kind of came upon uh, this, it wasn't called Kingdom Capital Network at the time, right? We just called it the Small Business Loan Program. <laughs> that's but, really catchy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's that's how the two kind of tie together. There was this sense of God brought us together on purpose in the, mm-hmm. as this was all unfolding. What else should we do? Uh, these re- relations are really important, you know, uh, and uh, yeah, I think you're looking at some of the faithful stewardship of that, mm. of those unlikely friendships, right? Yeah, so. it's so good. I, you know, this podcast, a lot of our listeners are um, kind of local to Arizona, part of the Surge Network, but some aren't. But I, I just love to hear how the spirit has been at work in similar ways of just 
Yes. The power of the local body of Christ in one area, partnering and believing that we cannot live out the mission of Jesus separately, nearly, not even like it's just miles away than what what it can look like when we par- embody it together, when we're in friendship with one another. And so, yes. yeah, it's really, really special. Yes. Yeah. Counterintuitive. It's lower. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing about the wisdom of man says that's powerful. Like you yeah. use that word, um, but absolutely. Um, and uh, it takes faith, uh, but yeah, it is, it is God's plan A uh, for the mm. gospel to advance. Mm. So. Mm. And I love the reason we got connected is because um, many of our listeners will know Kimberly Deckel, who mm. is now out in Austin in community with her. And so I just love even, you know, yes. across cities, the connection points. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, before we talk about your work with Pivot Leadership, can you um, just tell, just to stir our imaginations, tell us about one of the participants in in uh, the Kingdom Capital Network in the program, either tell us about, about their work or a story from your experience with them. Yeah, so, you know, I mentioned the construction remodeling company. It's Moses Construction Remodeling. They won't mind if I share. So, She'll be first to say, and I think this is in one of the stories we try to unveil on our website, um, but for her materially, uh, just in the first class, and, and it's sort of like, you know, you hate to, you hate to mention, uh, right, the really cookie cutter, straightforward, <laughs> like, hey, we, we prayed for this and this is happening, but it is, it's, it's one of the stories that surfaces kind of that I, that I celebrate where stepping in that first class for her. And she serves as a leader. I think she's a deacon in her church context, an mm-hmm. evangelist, you know, so does ministry proper on top of everything else she does. She said in that first class for Moses and I, we had never heard that what we do Monday through Friday matters to God. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it ought to matter to the church. We had never heard that, you know, and uh, there was a material weight that lifted. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for, for her, it was real, straight the working capital loan was for something that would make their work more efficient Mm -hmm. right and uh, now she ties that to a really really you know we know in our theology and she would say anyways if she didn't buy this uh you know uh, is a dumpster right that collapses kind of the you know stuff they tear out of homes Mm, yeah makes that all more efficient uh, she would say in her theology, okay, this is from the Lord, right? Of course, right? But I think through the program, it materially was through believers, their generosity, you know, and she purchased it. And so there's a new felt way in which it's from the Lord. And mm-hmm. I think that does some things. That's This is our prayer anyways. Uh, so in some ways, jury, jury out. So that's a good picture for like what we hope for all the business owners that are participating, will participate in the program, that every aspect of the world of of work is a provision of grace you know and mm-hmm. the challenge is the lord's with you and that's also a provision of grace right uh that's a little bit of a picture of what we pray for what we hope and and one story that's really really encouraging to us yeah oh so, so. good oh it's just these, these things that we in faith believe are true but actually seeing them embodied through real yes. people in real context it just it makes it so much more tangible like so much more we can hold on to and we can we can share it with the world in such an easier way because we can point at something that's just really earthy you know and really hands-on yes that's the hope okay so let's talk about now your work with pivot let's pivot (laughs) 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 yes 
Go heard that one. once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> Not the first time. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just just tell us kind of about the scope of how your involvement has exposed you to the church at work, to Christians across mm-hmm. the city, forming communities, how you've supported it. Uh, this is really mm-hmm. exciting stuff. So if you could just give us an overview. Yeah, an overview of Pivot, we say we want to help workplace leaders practice sacred work, Mm. Uh, right? So uh, a way to kind of understand what Pivot is, it's a leadership community, a Christian leadership community, uh, where there's these shared values. Uh, We've said over time, you know, if the broader community goes to a foundation for uh, for financial need, right? Uh, we can create a program and, and these exist, which is really, really exciting, right? When we're doing kind of benchmarking and what else is God doing? A lot of these exist, which I think are awesome. Um, mm. You know, you go to a leadership community for kind of that time and talent piece. And what we hope over time is that we pull together a growing community for the greater Austin area. This is part of what makes Pivot distinct is we're not trying to build anything national. Mm. Uh, this is kind of hyper, which excites me, right? Like going back to serving Austin piece. Yeah. We're trying to say really, really local. And that's what's distinct, right? Because say in our executive three programs, our executive program in particular, uh, those individuals oftentimes, right, I want to join things that are national and, and can change the world. What <laughs> yeah. uh, these international? This is an invitation for those individuals as well to join and give uh, time to something that's hyper local. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, spiritual formation right? Uh, is this a core pillar of the community? Work in faith integration, right? Everybody's on different places in the journey. We view ourselves as that kind of 101 if these individuals haven't really received mm, that yeah. in their churches, right? And of course, like togetherness and relationship and community um, is, a, is a part of the formation and the soup of all this. And then the last pillar being justice and mercy, mm. right? Uh, so if it's God's work, uh, God is just and merciful. <laughs> it is who yeah. he is. And his work will prioritize those things, mm. right? So it's a pretty easy link, right, uh, over time. And so, mm. you know, what we want to see over time is more and more of these people doing things they otherwise wouldn't do, uh, right, after kind of intersecting with our community. Mm. Um, so it's a leadership community um, with three programs. I mentioned the executive program. Uh, we have a uh, early mid-career program as well, Um the executives mentor a lot of those individuals and then other kind of experienced career, Christian career folks mentor that slice of people. And then we have something else that probably for most of your listeners, most easily understood as house churches in the context of work. So mm-hmm. we use the language of workplace fellowship. And with what I've shared already about pivot, these kind of values and this emphasis on work and faith and integrating your work and faith. This is, it can be understood as a way to get a broader set of Christians to step into this, right? To step into this truth that God is with them at their work already. Yeah. Uh, Right. So we map, right? Map the reality that Christians are already doing this in workplaces and where it isn't happening. We try our best with different strategies to catalyze this. So the specific rhythms, the programming, the content in each of these workplaces can look completely different, but the underlying principles are the same, right? Mm. We, we want you to be together, right? Discern together what God is doing. Mm. Excellent work. Love one another and your coworkers, wow. right? Do that together. And so some, some of these groups meet monthly 
And some of these groups are, uh, you know, they're bigger. And so they have like four things that go on that any other members can kind of plug in, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like four, truthfully, like four, five different things, four, five, two of them are Bible studies. Uh, one of the groups I'm thinking of, you know, they have a uh, lunch hour kind of evangelism they do in wow. their context, but the values stay the same. So that's and a, it, that's a picture pivot. That's great. That's so good. So as you kind of started to press into this, you discovered that Christians were, were gathering yes. across the city in, I mean, it's Austin, right? So yes. you shared with me some of the companies that it's like, there's this Christian presence already united in some yes. of these big name kind of companies. Yes. What was that process like? Like what, what did that feel like for you? And what did God open your eyes to through that process? Yes. Uh, humbling, <laughs> you know, it, is a micro version for me in my experience. So this this work started at the Austin Stone, kind of just the side hustle, just a, my passion project, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't formally like resource. So it was just kind of my nights and weekend passion project work at Austin Stone is humbling, really, really humbling. Cause you know, I had a micro version of like that story of Elijah. I'm alone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you've given me this massive vision, Lord, for uh, how this could work, right? Offering Christians all over the city of Austin, a way to connect with other believers so that they knew they were not alone at work. Um, and overnight, you know, overnight, uh, over and over again, you know, so that initial stage, uh, within three months, we had 18 groups. Uh, we launched about eight or nine of them. And, and the rest were things that were already happening. And mm-hmm. as believers going like, hey, we already do this. And by the way, our company supports this. Wow. You know, so like we've had a budget and we've always wished our pastors cared, but we've tried over and over again. And and now I'm talking to members at different churches, uh, which was just informative, right? That, oh, this isn't just like our local church kind of problem, right? Like this is uh, a pretty kind of systemic issue, a pattern and uh, pastors don't care, (laughs) you know, and we're doing this already. And, you know, our company seems to, because, uh, you know, they resource us. I'm thinking about one of the contexts. We have a six-figure budget. You know, what do you want to do? (laughs) (laughs) You know, we have 200 members, Steve, and we're organizing pillars. So we have a Bible study pillar and a service pillar and a social pillar, you know, and so uh, what do you want to do, right? And our our company encourages us to give grants to nonprofits. What do you want to do? You know, in any volunteer thing you want to do, we could probably bring at least 40 people, right? So there's also all this like latent, low-hanging fruit that should incentivize (laughs) any pastor to get into stuff like this, but more than that, right? Like Christians have already taken risks, talked Mm -hmm. to HR, worked through different things. uh, And in many, many cases are stepping into obedience uh, to God through the Holy spirit to do some radical things. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, I learned, and none of this was scripted and programmed. So that's again, humbling. Right. Uh, So in, in some company contexts, you would recognize the name They've had baptism services at like the company fountain, right? Wow. They've had Easter services. Um, they have uh, some, some of them, they had over two dozen non-believers reading the Bible uh, with believing friends in, you know, these kind of informal relationships. All this was happening. My assignment really quickly became, okay, like some of this is just mapping what already is, yeah. right? And, and playing middleman to connect people to things that are already happening. Ugh. So neat. 
Okay, so between the ones that you discovered that were already there and then the new ones that were started, what does this network look like now? How do you support these groups? What type of what types of needs or relational connections do you help make to strengthen um, and and kind of uh, contribute to the sustainability of of what God's doing? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So probably for the listeners, with what I mentioned already, a lot of this is just keeping an accurate database of what's going on, where the connections are. These soft, reactive, but really, really meaningful things, right? As mm-hmm. practical as hey, you know, with my work circumstance, I, I, I feel led elsewhere. Right. Mm-hmm. And naturally while we're connected to Christians, uh, like two dozen different companies, we love to make an introduction and see what happens. So as practical as that, so it's database upkeep, but really for us, it's focusing on coming around, uh, leaders, uh, and people who've raised their hand and said, Hey, I'd, I'd be happy to be the conduit, right? Keeping your records up to date, but then I'm also the facilitator. And so there are resources I need, right? And so in some cases, people want formal, regular mentorship. Uh, mm-hmm. And so Pivot connects them with a mentor that does a monthly touch point and it's general life on life as much as that context allows. Uh, and in other cases, leaders have unique needs that kind of come up you know, in their context, they need a teacher. Mm-hmm. Hey, um, none of us can probably teach apologetics proper, uh, but with what's going on here, we would love somebody to come do a series of lectures on that. Uh, right? yeah. And so we point them to what we hope is a growing bench of teachers right, right now. You know, our leaders, our network uh, resources, more of that, but the vision is to kind of expand that. Uh, and then it's just coaching, being a listening ear, praying. And because now we have experience over so many different contexts, when we're launching these communities, I know the questions HR are going to ask, and I know what they want to hear, mm. uh, right? And I'm probably 98% right, right? Mm. Of like, hey, it's going to be really, really meaningful. I can tell you, HR is already going to ask about this. <laughs> when you say you want to start one of these things, your executive's already going to, you know, ask mm. these questions. But as those kinds of things come up in the life of these groups, sometimes they're informal because... Uh, their executives or their HR said no, right? So they meet offsite. So mm-hmm. it's it's truthfully resourcing in every kind of way in, in, in becoming a vehicle, what we hope is becoming a vehicle for more and more local churches to care and to join in to resourcing this network of leaders, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that mm-hmm. truthfully, they're on mission and uh, mm-hmm. they're the body of Christ at their workplaces, uh, mm-hmm. sometimes big companies, sometimes, you know, uh, a local restaurant here in Austin, right? Mm-hmm. So- that's that's a picture of what we do. And you, I hadn't heard this before. Is it CGEs? Is that the ERGs? ERGs. <laughs> it's okay. We can edit that part out. <laughs> no, please. We got we got to keep that in. Employee so, resource groups. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Employee resource groups, and in some cases, those groups are kind of written into companies that make yes. space for things like this. Yeah. Yeah. So. If my information is right and experience with this is right, uh, it really was with the tech companies and with this ethos of, okay, you know, tech companies pushing into there's you know something that we can affirm in this as as the body of Christ, right? Like bringing your whole self to work, yeah, and you know all these proofs and studies that say that kind of thing actually adds value. You know, mm. uh, the surface level math you may go, my employees are doing what on paid time. You know, um, but the studies have been done that in a lot of contexts, when you allow for that, uh, it actually adds tangible value, right? Uh, Productivity, turnover, all these kinds of things. So, of course, a lot of different companies 
They may even have their own nomenclature, but in a lot of tech uh, contexts, they use uh, ERGs, so employee resource groups, and they allow for this. They encourage, hey, yes, um, start a um, pickleball club, yeah. start a you know Muslims at our company club, start you know whatever it is. And so some Christians already took it upon themselves to through that launch these kind of communities. Interfaith, you know, they mm. they look like a lot of different things. Mm, so good. It's good to know for any listeners out there, it might be something worth, worth looking into if your yes, company has yes. an ERG or something similar. Yes, something to take advantage lean of. in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as we wrap up, I want to ask you, let's imagine the next 10 years. What do you hope to see um, in Austin? How do you hope to see the church grow in strength and unity across these various vocational yes. contexts? Yeah, Tina, there's a lot I love about that question because uh, that 10 years question really embodies that truth that this is a, this kind of stuff is a lot to do it right, mm-hmm. right? To really refuse to be transactional and mm-hmm. use the the ways of this world to get done the kingdom of God, which is such a strong temptation that I'm repenting of on a regular basis and invite anybody in this world to, right? Uh, to bank on scripture says horses and chariots. Um, mm. right. Sometimes even with God's redemptive work in mind, God just refuses to work that way. If I've seen project and project fall apart. And one of the things that breaks my heart the most is work in faith ministries. That's still, you hear these stories of operating with the principles of this world. So I love this question of 10 years, because it's a slow work when you're talking about, you know, it's clear to your listeners. I'm really passionate about this workplace fellowship work. I think that can be another yeah. kind of uh, evolution, right. Of, uh, an expression of God's body, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we 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 can work this. It's it's happening whether we like it or not. I think, right? But that mm-hmm. it's a slow work, yeah. right? So when I think about the next ten years, gosh, number one, uh, I think that's going to be defined by the really, really, truthfully, really exciting stuff is going to come from non-pastors. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I I think about stuff like that, like as more and more members of the body with different giftings are invited into this. They're going to come up with some incredible ideas I never would be able to. Right? Mm. I mentioned that already with like the onset of the COVID work. I think one of my favorite stories uh, just in the Pivot Network, we, so we have workplace fellowships and one of one of ours was in the context of a hospital amongst nurses, mm. right? And, and those in the healthcare industry, you know, it's sort of notorious, especially with the last two, three years, the tensions, the natural tensions that exist yeah. Uh, between the care staff and the administration. Mm. Right now, in the other side of the pivot network, we have a hospital executive. Mm. Okay. And so what could we do as the body of Christ to bring those different demographics? We're talking about this, right? Yeah. Hey, this would be fun and exciting, right? To go like, hey, the, these tensions aren't going away, right? Because this, the systems are the, how these, how hospitals work are how hospitals work. But what understanding could be built right? And what peacemaking could happen systemically, mm-hmm. right? Uh, mm-hmm. If we as a church uh, have these form- formal networks and a growing population, maybe in the future 10 years, we had 15 hospital executives, mm-hmm. right? And dozens of nurses we could bring to the table, uh, mm-hmm. feed them dinner, pray together, you know, take on what we have in common as most robust and exciting first, and then talk about how really fruitful things could happen uh, for mm-hmm. peacemaking, right? Uh, and for what's done at hospitals to flourish, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to really, really thrive. So I think about things like that um, in the work I'm doing. 
and 10 years, hopefully more, like across industries, uh, in some cases within in redemption within industries, mm. uh, right? Uh, I think those are my hope, hopes mm. for uh, 10 years and beyond. Yeah, just beautiful getting this image of everyone coming to a common table and just what can happen. Um, yeah, because yeah, that's what we're invited to. Uh, we are across the world invited to a common table where we get to benefit from the grace of Christ that Amen. is given to transform the world. And um, gosh, the more we can create opportunity for that, I just, yeah, I I will uh, continue to pray for the next 10 years and, and really excited to just hear the stories as they continue. Um, thank you so much for sharing your heart and your work. Uh, your passion, as you said, is evident and it's really beautiful to um learn from you and and uh and to just hear about similar things that God is doing in our city. So yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, it was a privilege, Tina. Thank you for your work. Uh this was encouraging. Uh and pray uh our time together will be, you know, edifying and encouraging for your listeners. If you'd like to learn more about us or find more resources, you can visit our website, searchnetwork.com, or find us on Facebook or Instagram. If you have a question, you can also reach out by email, info at surgenetwork.com.